Well, welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Sarah. I'm Steve. And I'm Erica. And we are in a new series that uh, just a couple of episodes old, taking a look at the notion of spiritual gifts, what what they are, what what they could be in our day, how they might have functioned once upon a time in the life of the early church, and how, how do I know what they are and what they're for? Um, we we laid the groundwork in our last couple episodes. Um, landing sort of in uh, in one of Paul's letters to the Corinthians where he gives a helpful list. And we talked about how before we get to any of the individual gifts, they all have to do with how they're useful for the sake of everybody, for the building up of the whole community. And once that groundwork is laid, where are we headed today, Erica? So today we're going to actually start jumping into some of the gifts. Uh, in the next several episodes, we're going to take a grouping of gifts that kind of tend to go together. And we're going to look at what the gifts are how they might differ from one another, how they're alike, um, how we can, how they were used in, in biblical times, how they're used now, and how we can tell whether or not we have that gift. So today we're going to jump in uh, with wisdom, with knowledge, and with faith. Okay, and just just maybe so that uh, we all know exactly what, what data we're given from 1 Corinthians, um, Someone have it handy for us to to read those words from 1 Corinthians. Otherwise, I'll I'll be glad to to read off uh, how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 12. If you have it, Steve, go ahead. Okay, ready? So uh, this is in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 8, and then the first half of verse 9. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. So not a whole lot more detail than what you rattled off as knowledge and wisdom and faith. But I, I truth in advertising, I want to make sure that folks who are listening in on our conversation know that we don't get a whole lot more detail from Paul himself. And that makes me wonder, just to, to get things kicked off, like whether that absence of detail is because he assumes his uh, his readers in Corinth are like, oh, yeah, we totally know what that means. Or if it's um, intentionally broad because wisdom and knowledge and faith can have so many different expressions and forms and maybe maybe both. This is one of those places where I wish I was better at languages Mm. because to me, wisdom and knowledge are very similar to each other, Mm -hmm. but yet they're different. But I want to know if in Aramaic or in Greek or in Hebrew, if like what the, those words were, and is there a big difference between wisdom and knowledge? And even along those lines, in in English, we sometimes treat at least knowledge and wisdom with a certain overlap. Um, although uh, th- there's a there's a saying that I've seen as a meme and a refrigerator magnet and other kinds of things that maybe you've seen before too. That <laughs> says uh, what um, knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. And philosophy is asking whether ketchup is a smoothie. Um, but that, that distinction of that there's a difference between like factual knowledge that you can memorize, which is useful in some ways. And then the 
what do I, how do I live or how do I live well or what do I do practically? That seems an important distinction that, that knowledge, you could, you could memorize lots, lots of facts and still not have a lick of common sense or still not know like, okay, I've studied lots of things, but I don't know how to actually proceed in real life. Mm-hmm. So I hang out with a lot of charismatics um, and then kind of one myself. And they will say that wisdom is, is for the most part, what we think it is. You know, it's, it's being wise about a certain, you know, being able to speak some sort of knowledge, wisdom into a situation. And knowledge is often referred to as a word of knowledge, like something that the spirit gives you in a moment to speak into the life of somebody else and to help edify them. Hmm. Okay. okay. So I don't know. That's a helpful distinction for us. Mm-hmm. At least that's what I, I've learned from my charismatic friends. And what I learned in preaching on these about a year or so ago in my church. Okay. Okay. So there, like, like there's a, a, a moment in uh, the book of Acts where um, somebody, and I'm, I'm going to blank on his name, but like says, hey, I've been given this insight from the spirit that there's going to be a famine. We should start raising money to take care of the people who are going to be affected by the famine. That's not necessarily wisdom because that's not something you learn necessarily from life experience, but it sounds like that was a matter of factual information or insight given by the spirit that was needed for that moment so that people didn't go hungry. Yeah. So that would probably be more categorized under the word of knowledge. Like, okay. Yeah. This yeah, is something yeah. that's going to help the church. Um, down the road because it's something they could not could not necessarily predict uh-huh uh-huh you know uh-huh. um now today we might be able to predict a drought or something that would cause a famine but you know back right. then that would not have been something that uh, they would necessarily been able to predict sure 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 i i guess i i think it's it's worth us spending a moment um just focusing on why that that first of that set wisdom itself is an important thing because it feels to me like we often live in a time that values um, data and facts in way you know, th- but doesn't doesn't necessarily value wisdom as an important part of of life. You know, like that that, mm-hmm. and yet it is very very important. Um, because it's it's more than just head knowledge, but it's it's about okay. Now that I've got this head knowledge, what do I do with it? How do I how do I live or how do I make choices in a certain way? And in a in a culture that tends to treat facts and and uh, and intellect as like prizes, where you know when you've done enough, you get another degree on your wall or something like that. Wisdom is in some ways always going to be this unsung hero because we don't give out degrees for wisdom, and you don't get a pay bump, uh, you know, because you've got an additional degree in wisdom. It's just this reality that some people seem to exude, um, and it's it's important, even though we don't we don't necessarily give people a higher salary because they are wise. <laughs> I, I At the beginning of this conversation, I was reminded of a, a character from uh, the TV show, The Good Place, that was on a few years ago. Uh, my, my wife and I are slow to catch up on pop culture phenomena, so we watched it streaming uh, more recently and caught up. But there's there's a character uh, 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 named uh, Chidi on the, the character who is this uh, philosophy professor character. And um, the, the recurring thing about that character is he's someone who knows lots of facts about philosophers and what different philosophers taught and said and believed. But when he's forced to actually make a choice, even as simple as chocolate or vanilla ice cream, he's paralyzed by uh, looking at all the different options and which school of thought should he adopt to make his choice. And to me, it always it always illustrated the difference between wisdom and knowledge. You can have lots of facts and know lots of 
you know, book learning, so to speak. But then can you move to when the situation calls for you to act and to know what to do? Can you? And that's that's more what, what wisdom looks like. And, and I think it, it's it's that reason that I'm also glad that faith is in here. Yeah. Because there's lots of different schools of thought that often will pit knowledge and wisdom and faith against each other. Oh, like, okay. you know, especially like with the idea of once, like if you have too much book learning, it, it's going to be difficult for you to have that blind faith of, yeah. you know, in God or in whatever you're talking about. Um, but I know that, uh, so, so my grandparents were Southern Baptist and they kind of belong to that school of thought of like education is good but be careful you could get too much education and if you get too much education that's going to impede your faith or Mm -hmm. it's going to impede the spirit being able to work through you because you're going to be stopping and like overthinking things and um you know often like cheaty in the good place like you know for the example of the ice cream of do you do chocolate or (laughs) vanilla well let's think about it like chocolate is often harvested by child laborers and they're not paid very well but oh vanilla beans don't they also (laughs) harvested by get paid very much like which is like which tastes better but also you have to think about which one is more ethically sound to buy and to support and um i'm not sure that i think that faith is the antithesis of knowledge or wisdom but the fact that they're all three lifted up here on equal equal ground that it's not one versus the other. I think that's a really, really good point, Sarah, that idea that that faith isn't the opposite of wisdom and that the more wisdom or knowledge you get, it doesn't adversely affect your faith, but that these are all related. That's an important, an important word for this moment. And I think in talking about the spiritual gifts, the more faith you have, the more you might be able to cultivate these other gifts of wisdom and knowledge, you know, wisdom and how to live right you know the, the more faith you have the more you realize okay this is what my faith leads me to to do in certain certain situations and the more faith you have the more you're in tune to what the spirit is saying to you and so might be able to speak those words of knowledge into a situation or into someone else's life yeah so if we're not all given the same spiritual gifts and if faith is a spiritual gift what like I think that that also says something very important that we're not all given faith as a spiritual gift. And like, I think that's really difficult to wrestle with because like, we just kind of want to assume that like, oh yes, everybody can believe everybody can have faith, but this definitely makes it sound like, no, the spirit just might not have given you that spiritual gift of faith. Or, or perhaps in a, in a way similar to like wisdom and knowledge, you could say every human being has a certain, uh, has a certain amount of, of knowledge or wisdom just to be a functional human. Mm-hmm. And there are others that it stands out in spades and that we might say faith in a similar way. Like, man, there's some folks whose faith just astounds me, but I'm still like, like, uh, you know, stumbling along and there's days where I'm, I'm, you know, it feels like mine is weak or small or whatever. Um, 
and and it seems interesting to me that Jesus himself in the Gospels, while he sometimes calls his disciples "you of little faith," it does that doesn't seem to be disqualifying. He doesn't say, "You guys, you who are little faith, oh, because your faith isn't big enough, you don't belong in my club." But more like, "Okay, you're you're people of little faith. Okay, I can work with you." Rather than again, sometimes the 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 language of respectable religious people is, "You need to have more faith than what you have," and if you had the right amount of faith, then you would. You know, know to pray better. Or you'd have the answer you're looking for. God would do this thing for you, and that seems like nope. That that's that's you're taking it off the rails there. That, that we don't get to say if only you had more faith, like it's something you can accomplish. Well, and faith is something that we all have as believers. Like that's a gift given to us, not a spiritual gift necessarily, but a gift given to us in in the ability to believe in the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. But the the gift of faith, like when I preached on this, I used the the passage of the man um, who was begging Jesus to heal his son. Yeah. And he said, you know, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. You know, it's faith. The gift of faith often is, is spoken of, of just having that supernatural ability to believe that God is going to show up in a situation, even when it doesn't seem like there's any possibility of God showing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's helpful too, that you've kind of framed faith uh, as, as the ability or capacity to trust rather than the ability to memorize propositions. And again, like Mm -hmm. there are times when I think we kind of get kind of sloppy and we treat faith is, can you recite the words of the apostles creed? Or can you recite the doctrinal statement from your hymnal or your tradition? And that's not exactly faith that's memorizing. And that's a, that's a useful skill, but um, that faith is always about trust to some degree. Um, Even, even if that trust is beyond the ability to put into words and propositions, Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that seems an important thing that, uh, that, it, that pa- Paul in Corinthians isn't saying some people have the gift of reciting these, you know, doctrinal beliefs, like no, that's not really what he has in mind, but it's about the, the capacity to trust God in difficult circumstances, perhaps. There's a famous line from, um, not from one of the Wesleys, but to, to, um, spoken to one of the Wesleys by George Whitfield. Um, he was telling John early on. Um, kind of before his Aldersgate moment, preach faith until you have it. And once you have it, preach faith. <laughs> and um, oh, yeah, I, I love that line because it, it allows for that, that question, that doubt that, you know, um, all those things that kind of go through our heads in every Christian deals with this at some point where we're just like, okay, God, I know you're real, but <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I need you to really show up right here. And I might suggest that this is a place where these various gifts that we've talked about so far today, wisdom and knowledge and faith, can helpfully be mutually informing because with without uh, without the voice of wisdom, it would be easy to treat faith as uh, I trust that God is going to do what I want, you know, so therefore my sick grandmother is going to get better from cancer. And wisdom might be, well, hold on. Faith in God doesn't necessarily mean that you get the thing you want. Faith means that God is present and at work mm-hmm. in situations, even when you when you don't see how it's going to be. But it doesn't guarantee that because I want this miracle cure, that will happen. And that faith isn't necessarily reducible to I get the thing I wish for. And you need voices of wisdom who can say, uh, that that faith means trusting a God even when when you don't know how God's going to act and and maybe too knowledge is is a helpful thing in that moment too that there may be helpful bits of like 
just factual information, whether they are gleaned through a spiritual revelation or for that matter, just through medical knowledge about, well, here are the things we can do to help grandma. Um, you know, we need to make sure that she gets physical therapy or we need to, I mean, like there, there are ways that knowledge and faith and wisdom all can be mutually reinforcing again, rather than at odds with each other. Mm-hmm. Faith is the gift of faith is not a guarantee that God will act. It's, a belief in the fact that God can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, I think that idea of when you trust somebody, it's, I, I might not be able to predict what the person I trust is going to do, but mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to leave myself in the, the hands of their direction. You know, like anytime I was a kid and was going somewhere for the first time and my parents led me there, you know, whether we're going on a walk or on a car ride or something like that, Faith in them did not mean that I automatically knew when we were going to take a left turn or which fork in the road on the hike we were going to take, but more like I can, I can be okay with I'm being led somewhere and um, it, 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 I'm going to trust that I'm, I'm going to be led and kept safe in a, in a good place, even if mm-hmm. I don't know or, or at some points along the way, even if I get fussy and say, this walk is too long or when are we going to stop or I want a snack. In the midst of all that, trust is knowing you're going to be held and, and you're going to be okay through it all. I want to I want to ask then if if we've got sort of a rough rough picture of what each of these might might mean um how how would any of us begin to identify any of these either in ourselves or somebody else we we talked in previous episodes about what what a good thing it is when somebody can help call out and you, hey, I see this, you might have this gift, or I really appreciate you do this thing and you, you have this ability. How, how could we be better at recognizing these gifts in other people and helping to, to bring them to the fore, help them to the, the, the cream to rise to the top, so to speak? I would say with wisdom and faith, you, you see them in action a lot. Okay. Um, and, and just the way a person carries themselves, the way they, they talk about their relationship with God, just um, you know, the, the way they're able to figure out what to do in a situation, you know, that would be the wisdom part. Um, you know, their, their prayer and their faith, you know, their, their intercession for other people, believing that God's going to perform miracles for them. Um, you know, or, or at least those are the ways I've seen these gifts manifested in friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, the gift of words of knowledge that's a little bit more difficult. Yeah. Because again, we're used to thinking of that in, in most conversation, knowledge is something you get from studying or learning or going to school. But there's also this reality of sometimes it's God, God imparts a wisdom or something like that, or a knowledge or something that you don't know where it came from. And you're, and all, all you can say is, boy, that came from God. Cause I, I, I wouldn't have thought to say that on my own. Mm-hmm. And that's harder to predict or pin down, huh? Yeah. And I would, give the warning that you often like to give Steve, be wary. there be dragons near. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because there, there are folks out there um, that will say, I've got a word from God for you today. Yeah. Um, and it, it's not, yeah. It's yeah. their word that they think you need to hear. And it's not from God at all. Yeah. Um, and my friends that have this gift are very, very cautious when they do share those words. Yeah, because they understand like, okay, this could be God, or this could be undigested beef of a Christmas Carol, <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> you know, kind of deal. Like they, they could just be, you know, I had something bad for lunch, um, yeah, you know, kind of thing going on. And and 
while again, I, I don't want to pile on the ways this can get abused. Let me pile on to the ways this can get abused. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm all too aware of times when, um, especially sort of celebrity uh, preachers, you can tell they're just sort of playing statistics and they'll address their, their, their audience. And I, I don't even want to say congregation. They address them like they're an audience at a, at a, at a public show. Yep. And they'll say something like someone here tonight has a, you know, a struggle with depression. And I mean, like you can tell it's like you keep it vague enough and someone's going to go, oh, that's me. The same way when I was a kid reading the placemat at our Chinese restaurant with the Chinese Zodiac, you'd be like, Oh, I'm a, I'm from the year of the monkey. Oh my goodness. I'm creative. This knows me so well. Well, wait a second. You keep anything vague enough and you can read yourself into it as well mm-hmm. um and it's easy to say well this you know this word came from god when it's you know like like you say sometimes it's it's random fluky stuff and you can put you can you can say it in a way that makes it sound like you've got a lot more confidence that this is from god when it's really a random thought that popped into your head so yeah there's another here be dragons kind of a reality <laughs> yeah I, I and I guess another one that I I want to toss out there, and again maybe these are just helpful guardrails about avoiding misuse of this idea of a gift of knowledge, um, and I'll, I'll remove names to protect the guilty. But I, I'm aware recently of a pretty well-known national ministry that recently like uh, offered this this uh, bit of what they thought was wise uh, ministry advice, and it was something like um, women. Your husband is your prophet and priest and king, and God has a word to give you through your husband. And I saw a number of faithful women responding on social media like, wait a second, are you saying if God has something to say, God won't talk to me directly? God has to use my husband because that's the only people who get this gift of the word of knowledge. And like again, that feels to me very, anytime somebody says, I have a message from God for you, it makes me immediately want to raise the question, hold on. We believe God is perfectly capable of speaking to somebody directly. So why in this case is it important that it came to you instead of write to me? And there may be reasons, but I'd be really nervous if our theology is, well, God certainly couldn't do that to a woman. God would only do that through a husband who is the prophet and priest and king of the household. Um, and like, and again, it was it's such a well-known um you know, nationally known ministry that like made you be like, oh my goodness, that th- this seems like this is dangerously bad theology because it, it opens the door toward um, households where the husband says, well, God told me this and God, God certainly couldn't have told you this because you're just the woman in the family. And that feels like danger Will Robinson all over the place. But, and yet, you know, this is, this is the, 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 the pop theology of the world we live in. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing we're recorded, like just voices and mm-hmm. not faces, because I think a couple of us might have done some eye rolls during Well, seriously, when I saw, I seriously could not believe that like this was being said, and it, it wasn't like it wasn't like it was a quote of somebody from 1803. It was nope, this was brand new, fresh off the presses, and like wow, that is really, really surprising. And yet again, like I can I can see how if you were in that mindset, you could connect the dots and misuse that idea of the mm-hmm. word. Oh, well, men are given this word of knowledge, uh, and therefore they will be telling their wives what God has said we should have. You know, and you know, God's insight has told me here's where we should live, or here's what our job should be, or you know, like that seems like that is ripe for for abuse. And if you were already in that mindset, you could easily lift this verse out of First Corinthians and go, "See, men are given this this gift of knowledge." And it, so let, let's let's set up a clear guardrail there. There there not only be dragons, but there be bad theology. <laughs> could I could I ask a, um, a question of all of you about the the 
wisdom piece. Um, I know often in life, people talk about that you gain wisdom or can gain wisdom just through more life experience. Um, and yet there are people who, who you run across and you say things like they're wise beyond their years. So clearly it's not just a matter of miles on the odometer. And when we're talking about spiritual gifts, we're talking about some, some way in which the Holy Spirit prompts a greater wisdom than, than just what you might expect from life experience. And we've said before in this series that gifts are different from, say, skills that you can practice on. Um, so it's not like if I do some, you know, spiritual sit-ups 10 times a day, I'll get more wisdom. But what are ways that you can help uh, any of us to, to identify or to, to get the benefits of, of this spiritual gift of wisdom? How, how, do you, how do you see it in somebody else or how do you recognize it in yourself, maybe? I always struggle with the idea that the older you get, the more wise you get. Like, uh-huh. yes, for sure, you get more life experience. But, um, you know, especially the phrase wise beyond your years, I yep. think that's just a very backhanded compliment way of saying, oh, yes, you're wise. But, like, I didn't expect people, it of you. <laughs> other people your age are not wise. Right. Um, and and I don't think that that that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you get more life e- experience as you get older, but life experience does not equal wisdom. That's a helpful piece there. So mm-hmm. while sometimes culture assumes that it and may, maybe it's a it's at some point you learn what to do with the experience that you have. Like that, okay, if you got the gift of wisdom, you can make more out of the experience that you've you know, gained from life and say, oh, well, I've, I've learned this lesson. I've got this insight and here's all these times in life where I learned this, but that those are just raw materials. And being older, having more life means you've got more raw materials to apply wisdom to or to glean lessons from, but the wisdom itself seems like it is a separate animal maybe or a separate ingredient. I think so. I, I want to then toss out sort of a half-formed thought here then. And I'm, I'm thinking of a recurring f- phrase and an idea that comes up in a, a category of, of uh, literature we find in the scriptures. It's often called wisdom literature. And how often, especially in the Proverbs there, and even the Psalms, there's this repeated refrain that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And again, the, the book of Proverbs is sort of written with like, here's here are life lessons that you can learn. And it's not so much spiritual gifts kind of talk. The, 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 that's a New Testament way of talking, and the book of Proverbs is not thinking those same terms. But that idea, and again, fear of the Lord not being like, a, I should be afraid of God, and that's how I get wisdom. But I, I do think it means maybe um, a certain orientation of your life being centered on who God is or what, what matters to God has a way of reorienting priorities and values in other ways. That like, if I'm entirely focused on making money as the key to a happiness— I, I'm, I'm doomed not to get wisdom because I'm, I'm headed toward the wrong goal in the first place. But if my life is centered on the character of a God who is just and merciful and who cares that hungry people be filled, um, that will rearrange other priorities or values in my life that are more inclined to, to I, I guess, yield ju- uh, wisdom in the end. I, I guess I wonder if that's part of the idea in, in the book of Proverbs, that, that wisdom isn't just about the number of years you lived, but what do you take as sort of your North Star? And that there's lots of ways mm-hmm. to go wrong if I'm living, if I'm organizing my life around 
getting the most money or having the most pleasure or having the most success or accolades. And instead of my life is oriented around the character of God, I'm more likely at least to be on track. Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Um, it, I think the word priority is really important in that. Like, um, I'm sure we, m- most people who have seen the children's sermon illustration of where you have like a glass and you have the golf balls and the small and the marbles and the yep. sand, mm-hmm. and you have to fill your glass up with all three of these things what are you going to put in first you know if you put in the marbles first you're not going to get the golf balls in and the illustration is supposed to be that the golf balls are supposed to be god the marbles are supposed to be friends and family or whatever and the sand is supposed to be like everything else yeah um but yeah, I, I would say, yeah, wisdom could be the knowing which one to put in the glass first. And if, if we're going to if we're going to follow that train of thought further, then our understanding of who God is or what God is like is going to make a difference then in what things go in the jar first. And th- this raises in my mind um, another way that that in the early church, the idea of wisdom got got. Um, stretched by the same uh the same writer in the fact in the very same letter that we've been looking at in first corinthians that paul in first corinthians in the beginning of that letter talks about wisdom but talks about that for followers of jesus wisdom is rooted in who jesus is the jesus who goes to the cross and that that's going to look like nonsense to the rest of the world and um there's a certain amount of to follow jesus means um one of my favorite phrases of Stanley Hauerwas is uh, God's countercultural option that like we're, we're meant to live as this alternative way that instead of being people who build their lives on money or power or sex or wealth, um, we're people who see the clearest sign of God's glory and wisdom and strength in love that gives itself away. And so that for us, the, the cross isn't nonsense like the rest of the world looked at. No, the cross is the key to understanding who God is and what really matters. So that will be people who say it makes perfect sense to live your life oriented toward how do I love my neighbor and take care of other people. Even if the rest of the world says that's nonsense because the only way to get ahead in life is to look out for yourself. These are competing accounts of wisdom and the world around us has sort of a conventional wisdom. That's, you know, it's it's a dog eat dog world. You got to get, you know, look out for number one. It's my way. And that, the community of, of Jesus in particular is willing to say, yeah, our kind of wisdom looks peculiar against that because it looks kind of upside down and to the, the, the outside world, it might look like foolishness um, to, to whatever wisdom is. You have to be okay with the rest of the world might not always say what you're doing looks wise. You know, Steve, you asked earlier how you can tell if, if you have this gift or somebody else has this gift, how you can cultivate this gift and as we're talking about the Proverbs and we're talking about some of these other stories from scripture, I think, especially with these three gifts, maybe more so than some of the others that we're going to talk about in future episodes, uh, a way to cultivate them is to be in the word, you know, so you know, how do you gain wisdom? Well, the Proverbs are a great place to go for wisdom, you know, or, and other wisdom literature books, you know, the Psalms have wisdom. Um, Ecclesiastes is, is a wisdom book. Um, you know, if you want to know what God thinks about things, you go to the words that, you know, God inspired to be written as our text that we um, study from and that we learn from. 
Um, and the same with words of knowledge. Like if you want to know what God has to say about a situation, see what God has said about something like that in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in, in faith, read about the stories of the patriarchs and of Jesus and folks that Jesus encountered who had faith. Um, and maybe they will encourage you in your faith journey to be like, okay, God has provided for me. They, God has provided for these people. You know, God's going to continue to provide in the future. This is my proof. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm I'm wondering, and this is again at, at risk of becoming a half-formed thought or heresy or nonsense. So please feel free to stop. But I, I'm I was picturing years and years ago. Um, we had in our in our flower bed in the in our backyard um, a random tomato that sprang up. And um, when it sprang up, it occurred to me, oh, it, it, the tomatoes we had planted on our back deck the year before had gone, you know, so we must have lost one of the tomatoes off the, the, the deck and it fell down and it, and it planted. And that, that tomato was capable of growing in soil we had not fertilized, had not intended to, there it sprung up, but you're going to get more likely to get tomatoes in, in places where you've tilled the ground and cleared it. So it, to me, like this idea of spiritual gifts is like God's going to, you know, God reserves the right to, to give gifts and have them spring up, even for someone who hasn't spent a lot of time in the Bible or hasn't spent a lot of time praying. But there are ways you can at least prime the ground, so to speak, so that whatever is planted there is going to have a better chance of growing and thriving. So like like we've said in the from the beginning of this series, that talk of spiritual gifts requires a certain amount of surrender of control, that unlike, say, a skill like fasting or prayer or you know whatever other spiritual disciplines there might be where the more I do it the better I get at it gifts are always a little more elusive and the best I can do is get the ground ready for it and God reserves the right both to bring up tomatoes in the little pot I planted for them as well as from uh, volunteers off the back deck next to the, the the boxwood shrub and I see these gifts as being also ones that tend to to sprout up and while some people do have them more consistently throughout their lives, um, these would be gifts that maybe, you know, come at a particular time and place, but then maybe never again in a person's mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Um, or they might show up here and then they might not show up again for another 10, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some folks that have the, these gifts consistently, um, but I can see these ones, you know, from my own experience being kind of the more sporadic, mm. um, you know, tomato growing up where it's not, not supposed to be planted kind of gift. I wonder if um, going through times of crisis are more likely to be times where such gifts are going to be revealed, even if they were there all along. And what I, what I mean by that, again, yeah. another half form thought is like in, in, times when everything's going well or are comfortable, there's a certain amount of slack where you can get by without being wise. You can be kind of lazy or sloppy or foolish and life is a little more forgiving. But in times where things are difficult, man, the people who have real wisdom are the ones who carry you through. And okay, now we like, I feel like in the last year and a quarter of COVID, it's been wise voices who've been able to help be our sort of North star in our, in our congregational discussions. I mean, like that, like maybe they were wise all along, but like, Oh man, in this time, their level headedness and their clarity really were necessary. And it went emerged and faith in a similar way too, that um, when things are going well or easily or comfortably, 
um, there, there's no there's no need to have a voice saying God will get us through because things are going great. Um, but when things are going difficultly uh, or you're really strained, it's those voices who whose whose faith encourage your faith that um, that arise and and become sort of the bedrock for everybody else. Almost like I'm, I'm picturing that story where the four friends lower their friend who's uh, paralyzed down to the roof in the Gospels and Jesus in the end commends their faith where the the guy gets healed. But Jesus says their faith is, you know, what helped you um, and that sometimes it's somebody else's faith that gives you the encouragement or just the plain courage to you know, take the next step to keep going. And that that seems an important way this gift can benefit others, not just uh, just ourselves. Well, good. Well, we, we've at least begun digging through each of these sets of spiritual gifts. In our next episode, we're going to get even more into the weeds with other spiritual gifts. And not only what are they, but what might they mean for us. So thanks for joining us here this time on Crazy Faith Talk. See you all. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.